What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Our Hartman Report podcast is brought to you in part today by Phone.com. Phone.com delivers the highest quality service and the most features at the lowest price. They know you'll love their service so much that through this week only, my listeners can receive their service free for two months. Just use the code FALL, F-A-L-L, at phone.com. That's FALL at phone.com today. Certain restrictions apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome to our program. Tom Hartman here with you. There's so much going on we're going to get into today. The breathtaking corruption, this whole impeachment issue, and the corruption that is driving it. Frankly, I think ultimately it's the corruption, stupid. I mean, that's what we're getting to. And in fact, let me take this a step beyond this rather than just say, oh, my God, Donald Trump is doing corrupt acts. He's sending the Air Force to an obscure airport in Scotland that was going to be shut down to pump millions and millions of dollars into this obscure airport. Why? Because the airport was going to be closed. Well, why does Donald Trump care about that? Because that airport is 30 miles away from Glasgow. It's, it's right next door, or right down the road from his golf resort. And it's basically, you know, servicing his resort. And if this airport goes under, he goes under. He's been losing money on his resort in Scotland. So now he's having your tax dollars divert the Air Force planes to stop there and pay a much higher price for fuel than the negotiated price. You know, if he stops at a military base, which is normally what happens, you know, Ramstein in Germany or whatever it may be, this is for flights on their way from Alaska where they're picking up cargo to the Middle East, to various places in the Middle East, um, you know, where we've, you know, for our, our troops who are served, there, are stationed there. Uh, it's basically just a cargo route. And uh, he's saying, no, no, you've got to stop that. You know, now he's swearing on Twitter. He doesn't know anything about this. Right. But, you know, this is one of many, many examples of, of the corruption of Donald Trump, putting a coal lobbyist in charge of the EPA, putting an oil lobbyist in charge of the Interior Department, uh, putting a telecom uh, lawyer in charge of the FCC, uh, you know, who has destroyed net neutrality now officially uh, over a year ago. Your, IP, your, your Internet service provider who's providing your Internet service at your home or at your office now in all probability is recording literally everything you do and has the ability even to grab your passwords and your bank accounts. I mean, it is mind boggling the corruption that Donald Trump has brought to this country. But I think that there's a larger issue here. And I'd love your thoughts and feedback on how we deal with this corruption. But let me, let me lay out this larger issue first. The larger issue, which I think is even more damaging than what 
the damage that Donald Trump is doing to the environment. It's even more damaging than Donald Trump putting children in cages. I should say Trump and Pence, really, putting children in cages. It's more damaging than, uh, you know, the, the, the whack-a-mole, insane trade stuff that he's doing with the trade war that's threatening to destabilize literally the entire world economy because he's doing it in this helter-skelter fashion of using emergency presidential directives rather than trying to have Congress officially change our trade policies to more reasonable ones. All of those things are insanely destructive. But the biggest legacy of this administration, it's not even all of this corruption in aggregate. It's the fact that we have tolerated all of this corruption in aggregate. There is not a single voice in the Republican Party outside of Justin Amash in Michigan who's probably going to go bye-bye in the next election. We did have Bob Corker and Jeff Flake before the last election, but when they spoke out against Trump, the base turned against them and they just, you know, they had to leave. So there are no Republicans who are speaking out against this corruption. And the American public, by and large, doesn't seem to be all that incensed about it. I mean, they certainly Democrats are pretty outraged, and the Democratic base is outraged, but that's maybe 30% of, uh, of America. And out of that 30% of America, it's really probably the 15% who are paying attention right now. So here's what I think is the biggest danger, the single biggest danger of the entire Trump administration. It is that future presidents... Future members of the House and Senate, future governors, future members of state houses and Senate and assemblies and whatever it may be called in, in your particular state, that future politicians are looking around right now, particularly Republican politicians, are looking around right now and saying, holy cow, you can get away with being corrupt. You can get away with, with doing things by executive order that are if not illegal, certainly marginal. You can get away with asking for foreign help to get yourself elected. You can get away with skimming billionaires and corporate money through things like inaugural committees into your own pocket. You can get away with having government support your own business. You can get away with trashing the press. You can get away with all this stuff. I think the biggest damage, what, what Donald Trump is doing right now is he's running this country like a banana republic. And this is saying to future politicians, be they on the right or the left, right? Duterte in the Philippines comes in and he says, I'm going to do just like Donald Trump. I'm going to get rich, trash my opponents. I'm going to intimidate the media. And he's doing it on the right. Maduro is doing the same thing in Venezuela on the left. I mean, it pretty much doesn't matter if a politician believes that they live in a consequence-free zone. And more importantly, if the people who work for the politician think they live in a consequence-free zone. The press secretary who hasn't held a press conference in six months. This has never happened to the best of my knowledge, certainly in the era of television. The Treasury Secretary lying through his teeth about num numerous things. The, I mean, it, it, just, it, it just goes on and on. You've got all of these enablers. You know, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration coming out and saying, oh, no, Donald Trump is right. 
when he's wrong, when he's lying through his teeth. You know, I think, frankly, I watched it in real time. You know, when Trump said he had the map up there and he said, this is going to hit Alabama. And I turned to Louise. I mean, we were literally watching it live on television when it happened. And I turned to Louise and I said, he meant Georgia. You know, because at that point in time, the, the path looked like, you know, the hurricane was going to turn north on Florida and go up past Georgia. And there's this little piece of Georgia right north of Florida. And it was right there in the, in the, in the head of the cone. And I said, he meant Georgia. He said Alabama. He misspoke. Or he doesn't know the geography of the South well enough to know which one is Alabama and which one is Georgia. But now he's got officials lying about this. So what this says to a future president, whether it's a liberal or a conservative, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican or something in between or something that comes out of, you know, the implosion of the, of the Republican Party, whatever it may be, I think the lasting and most dangerous legacy of Donald Trump is not the fact that he was corrupt. It's not the fact that he put cronies in his cabinet like Wilbur Ross, the guy who was co-owner of a bank that used to, you know, foreign or an offshore bank that launders money for billionaires. Or Betsy DeVos, who has spent her life and career trying to destroy public education, putting her in charge of education. Or putting anti-labor people in charge of the labor department. Coal lobbyists in charge of the EPA and oil lobbyists in charge of interior. That's not his most lasting legacy. Actually, frankly, Reagan did some of those things, although he didn't do them quite as blatantly and quite as corruptly. The lasting legacy is if we don't push back, if we don't hold him accountable, if we don't not only impeach him, but the people who have gone along with this, if we don't subject them to some kind of penalty, if it, whether it's criminal penalties or whether it's a Truth and Reconciliation Committee or public shaming or congressional hearings or something, then future presidents are going to continue to be able to enlist underlings to break the laws for them. We certainly saw this in the Reagan administration. It was Bill Barr in 1992 who had George Herbert Walker Bush pardon five people, including Ollie North and Elliot Abrams, pardon five people who were involved in Iran-Contra in Ronald Reagan's corrupt deal to have the Iranians hold the hostages so Jimmy Carter would lose the election. I mean, this has been going on for a while. You could say that the Trump administration is the logical outcome of Richard Nixon blowing up LBJ's peace talks with Vietnam so he could get himself elected in 1968. It is the logical extension of Ronald Reagan intervening with Iran and, and sending them weapons. I mean, even before the election, uh, he was transshipping spare tires to Iran via Israel as part of a deal to have Iran hold the hostages. President Bonnie Sodders on the record about this. Just Google Bonnie Sodder and Christian Science Monitor. You'll see the whole thing. And he just lays it out. You could say that Trump's corruption is the legacy of Nixon's corruption and Reagan's corruption. And then, and then George Herbert Walker Bush. He, you know, he's got a couple of cronies on the Supreme Court. And in 2000, they decide to violate the Tenth Amendment and say, no, we're not going to let the states decide. The, you know, the Florida State Supreme Court said, let's count every single vote in Florida. Well, everybody knew if every single vote in Florida was actually counted, Al Gore won the election. And in fact, a year later, that's what we found actually happened. But Bush Sr. leans on his buddies on the Supreme Court, and they say, oh, we're going to stop the count in Florida. 
and give the presidency to George W. Bush, to daddy's son. And this kind of corruption, these relatively singular incidents of corruption or even treason, none of them were punished. No one was held accountable for any of these. And pretty much everybody got away with it. And so, of course, Trump thinks he's going to get away with it, too. I think we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and we need criminal accountability for these guys who are taking down our republic. They're destroying our country right in front of us. This is absolutely wrong. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The dimensions of Trump's corruption and frankly, stupidity are absolutely extraordinary. This piece over at Mediaite, which is, I believe, a website owned by Tucker Carlson. I may be wrong. I, I think he did own it at one time. It asked the question, line crossed? Trump encourages new activist AT&T investor to stop fake news emanating from CNN. This is Trump watching TV. First off, CNN Business did a piece about how there's this new investor that has bought a huge share in AT&T. And AT&T owns or is in the process of buying, I don't know if this has gone through or not, uh, CNN. I'm pretty sure they own it. And so Trump, as soon as he learns this, this activist investor, this guy says, his name is uh, Elliot. I think it's Elliot Management is the name of the company. As soon as he sees this, he starts trashing CNN. Well, the other half of the story was CNN, after the business news, after he hears this on CNN Business News, then he goes to CNN itself and discovers that they're talking about how this story that broke today, about how Trump gave classified information to the Russian ambassador in the White House, information that had come via Israel, way back early in his administration, and the information implied that the United States has a spy inside the Kremlin. And it so freaked out the CIA that they pulled that spy out of the Kremlin before Trump could go to the G20 and meet with Putin and tell him who it was. So Trump is just going nuts tweeting to this investor, this guy who owns a substantial piece of AT&T, which owns CNN, saying, as the owner of the low-rating CNN, perhaps they will now put a stop to all the fake news emanating from its non-credible anchors. Most importantly, CNN is bad for the USA. Their international division spews bad information and fake news all over the globe. They don't talk about the great economy, the big tax and regulation cuts, the rebuilding of the military, you know, the choice at our VA, which, of course, President Obama put into law. Our vets, judges, Supreme Court justices, the border wall, lowest crime numbers, blah de blah You know, in other words, Trump is basically reaching out to investors and saying, muzzle CNN. This is insane. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. And do you agree or disagree with me that the most dangerous thing that Donald Trump has done is demonstrate that the United States so far can be run like a banana republic? You know, I've been talking about the X chair forever, it seems, and people are always asking me, is that chair, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say it is? And I always answer, yeah. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great this chair feels. So take my advice, get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to X chair's 30 day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction, you have no risk. So if you're wondering if what I say is true, just try it for yourself. 
Once you feel the X-Chair's patented Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support, or DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X-Chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and in increase your productivity with the right model for you, from the X-Basic to the X-1 through the X-4. X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code XWHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair. That's xchairtom.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Okay, so, you know, the, just the raw corruption, of course, is the stuff of which impeachment hearings are made. But I think it needs to go beyond that. It needs to go to the people who are facilitating this corrupt behavior. Because otherwise this kind of stuff happens. For example, there's a congressman from Louisiana. His name is Ralph Abraham. He is running for governor of Louisiana. But he's a member of the U.S. House from Louisiana. He founded two pharmacies, this guy, two pharmacies in rural northeast Louisiana, 13 miles apart from each other. They serve a community of a total of 6,000 people, okay? So this congressman, Ralph Abraham, who wants to be governor of Louisiana now, owns two pharmacies in a neighborhood of 6,000 people. I mean, that's, that's it, right? This is very, very rural. His two pharmacies gave out 1,478,236 opioid pills between 2006 and 2012. As of 2017, for every 100 people in Richland, this is the community that his pharmacies are in, there were an astonishing 113 opioid prescriptions. The simple truth, this is from the Bayou Brief, which is the local newspaper there, in Louisiana. The simple truth is that Ralph Abraham has made a fortune through his ownership of two rural pharmacies that sold a disproportionate and astonishing amount of dangerous opioids. So you see that kind of corruption. And this is how it spreads. This is the banana republicization of the United States. Dick Cheney, when he got elected vice president, when he told George Bush, make me your vice presidential candidate, and then got elected, Halliburton, the company he was the CEO of and a major stockholder in, was about to go bankrupt. Because Cheney had engineered an acquisition of Drescher Industries, a company that had huge asbestos liabilities. And Cheney thought Congress was going to fix that. So he had Halliburton buy the company. Well, Congress didn't fix it. And Halliburton was on the edge of bankruptcy. So what does Cheney do? He lies us into a war in Iraq, and suddenly Halliburton gets all these contracts without even having to bid, without even having to competitively go to anybody, without even having to ask for the contracts. It's just the government says, hey, Halliburton, here, take some money. Well, now Trump is trying to do the same thing with his golf course in Scotland and this little airport down the road from it. Trump's taxes, we now know this is uh, from his financial disclosure forms. Mother Jones magazine looked into this and found that bottom line, well, here, let me just summarize it real quickly. This is from a great uh, post by Mark Sumner over at Daily Coast, one of my favorite writers. Trump borrows $640 million from Deutsche Bank for his Chicago Tower. 640 million bucks. 
his, his uh, tower loses money hand over fist, and Trump can't pay back the money he owes Deutsche Bank. So he figures, hey, it's cheaper to sue them than to pay them back, and I can't afford to pay them back. So he sues Deutsche Bank for loaning him the money. Deutsche Bank says, okay, 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 we'll settle. You don't have to pay it all back. So Trump ends up with $50 million that he doesn't have to pay back. So what does he do? He dumps it into a, an LLC, a company, creates a corporation simply to sit on this money. And then he says that that money is the result of a loan, which it wasn't. So he says he's loaned himself money. If he hadn't said he'd loaned himself money, that $50 million would be considered income and he'd have to pay income taxes on it. But because he says it's a loan, he doesn't have to pay income taxes on it. This is illegal. It's called tax fraud. I think that if we don't have prosecutions, hearings, and maybe even a Truth and Reconciliation Commission and go after all these lower-level functionaries from Bill Barr on down, from cabinet officers all the way down to people in the Interior Department who are signing off on corrupt deals, people in the EPA who are signing off on corrupt deals, firing you know, competent scientists. If we don't start holding these people accountable, America will permanently be a banana republic. That's my take on it. Robert in Duluth, Georgia. Hey, Robert, what's up? Well, you're talking about corruption then and now. Let's not forget Barr pulling seniors' bacon out of the fire with the wrong contra and Barr's connection also to Jeffrey Epstein with his dad installing him for a teaching job he was grossly underqualified for. At the same time, his dad is writing a novel about sex slaves. Right. And also with the Supreme Court, let's not forget about Anthony Kennedy getting Kavanaugh on the court to protect his son. Yeah. So it just goes on and on and on and keep on doing what you're doing, man. You're helping a lot. Thank you, Robert. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spot on. Jerome in Reno, Nevada. Hey, Jerome, what's up? Hey, Tom, how are you doing this morning? Good. It's on your mind. Hey, thank you very much for all that you're doing for us, you know, but I, I have to admit, I'm so disheartened with uh, everything that's going on. Because that's what they want, Jerome. But, Tom, when the Democrats get in power, what does Obama do? Do the Democrats go after these guys? Barr never should have been able to get into the Trump administration. He should have been in jail. He should have been indicted for something. But they well, let him get at away the very least, uh, you know, this happened just before Bill Clinton became president. Bill Clinton was sworn in on January 20th, 1993. So, you know, three or four weeks later, Bill Clinton gets sworn in. And the first thing he should have done was look into the corrupt pardoning of Elliot Abrams and Ollie North and the other three guys who were involved in Iran-Contra and should have revived the investigations. We have had two Democratic presidencies where in both cases, the Democratic president said, yes, the Republican administrations before I came into office committed crimes, high crimes and misdemeanors, no doubt about it. But we're going to look forward, not backward, which is almost a verbatim quote from Barack Obama. And I get that they, you know, they were trying to return to normalcy. They wanted to pass a legislative agenda. They wanted to get things done that were good and meaningful. And both of them actually did get some good stuff done, both Clinton and Obama. But this failure to hold corrupt Republicans accountable is, is now, has now led directly to Donald Trump. And it's time to stop. We've got to stop it. Jerome, I'm with you. Thank you. John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, your thoughts. 
how do you, after decades and decades of sliding down into this corrupt morass that we have, you know, how do you work your way out of it? I mean, you're doing a good job on shining light and bringing attention to it, but the media certainly doesn't do that. And it just sort of becomes, you know, the background upon which everybody I think the operates. media will start doing that, John, when Democrats start yelling and screaming loudly in public. Well, I hope so, because I know people that have worked for regulatory agencies, and they're deeply influenced. Every regulatory agency, there is a political appointee over that agency. And my brother left an administrative position in the Department of Interior. You said something about the Department of Interior. And they can either choose to enforce the law or not. And he just became so demoralized because basically they were just told to cover everything up. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're doing in interior. That's what they're doing at EPA. That's what they're doing in education. That's what they're doing in Bureau of Lands Management. I mean, pick your agency. They have all been corrupted by the Republican Party over years and years and years, and then specifically by Donald Trump. I'm with you. But we can't allow that to get us down, John. We've, we've got to fight back. John, thank you for the call. I mean, you know, yes, it's starting here, but it needs to spread to all the Democrats. Listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Tim in Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Tim, what's on your mind today? I think we've been in a banana republic for some time now. I think the government now is just stripping more and more away to set that precedent. They're setting a precedent right now. And you were talking about Barr and all the rest of them. I'm reading a lot now, and you led me to that with Lamar Waldron his book that you helped him out with, The uh, Legacy of Secrecy, right. which led me to a people's history of the United States that I never read. Howard Mr. Zinn. Zinn's yeah. book. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm reading White Trash. Yeah, it's a fascinating book. All these books are delicious with what's going on today. Yeah. So I really think that they're stripping it away, and they have been. These corrupt politicians have been. And again, I heard you say that a while back, you know, it's not going to matter when the court system, they get everything placed in the court system. It's really not going to matter. Right. So, yeah, I'm trying to hang in there, you know, and and promote <laughs> your your show and, and you, what I hear from you and and just continue on. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, it's getting... Oh, and I wanted to mention, too, that I watched The Family, which was very interesting. Did you watch all five episodes? Yes, I did. Very Isn't that mind-boggling? Louise and I, after I interviewed Jeff Charlotte last Wednesday, I think it was, we went home and we watched the last two episodes, and it's just jaw-dropping. Oh, yeah, and, and how it's linked to today, from yeah. way back. Oh, yeah. It just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. It really is. And this, in my opinion, I mean, they, they talk about Jesus all, you know, all the time, and they pass out these little, the Gospels and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's all about Jesus. And the penny drop for me when Jeff Charlotte on this program talked about, I mean, it was, it was kind of built into the Netflix series, but where I really got the aha is he said, if you only talk about Jesus, which is what Doug Coe and what the family does, then you are eliminating the entire context. 
you're eliminating everything around it. You're eliminating the moral construct. You're eliminating the historical construct. You're eliminating, I mean, you eliminate so much that you can basically turn Jesus into anything you want. And this is what the family has done, is they've turned Jesus into a warrior. He's warrior Jesus. He's, he's friend of kings and tyrants Jesus. He's, he's friends of Nazis and, and, and emperors Jesus. And uh, frankly, if you read Jesus in the context of the entire Bible, you get a completely different story. So, Tim, I'm with you. I, I, and it's all, it's all corrupt. Tim, thanks so much for the call. A lot going on. We've been talking about the impact on future politicians. And frankly, I think we're seeing this more broadly among current politicians, particularly on the Republican side, of the Trump presidency demonstrating that running the United States of America like a corrupt third, third world banana republic where the president is the strong man, and if he says something, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's true or not, whether it's legal or illegal, if he says something, that's what everybody salutes. That's what everybody supports. That's what everybody says, sir, yes, sir, yes. Um, that when that happens, what it does is it establishes the new baseline, the new normal for future corrupt politicians. And as I pointed out in the last hour, this can happen on the left or the right. Or maybe I should say on the right or the left, because it's clearly happening on the right right now. I used the example of, the, of uh, Congressman Abraham, who owns a couple of pharmacies in Louisiana that serve a community of around 6,000 people and passed out over a million opioids. And now he's running for governor. We are to the point now where we actually reward bad behavior. You've got a press secretary in the White House who doesn't hold press conferences. Hasn't for six months. This hasn't happened since the era of television. It's just breathtaking. And it's been replaced by Trump standing in front of a helicopter where the noise is so loud that you can't hear the questions the reporters are shouting at him, which is great because if somebody asks a question like, Trump, why are you lying about this or that? He just pretends it didn't happen and moves to the next person. So we never get to hear the president holding Trump accountable. Now we've got this other plan that Donald Trump is, is rolling out, him and Steve Mnuchin, the guy who was the foreclosure king in California, who committed numerous felonies, crimes in California, robo-signing documents so he could steal people's houses, thousands of them. And the Attorney General of California had an opportunity to prosecute him. Instead, she said, well, you know, we've got bigger fish to fry, unfortunately. So now, you know, this insanely corrupt Secretary of the Treasury, Mnuchin, and this insanely corrupt President, you know, Mr. President Hump, are saying, hey, let's privatize Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Last time they were privatized, it worked out so well, right? We privatized them back in the late 1990s or early 2000s. I don't recall exactly. I think it was in the late 90s. And what did they do? They created the housing crisis that took down the economy in 2007, 2008. But a bunch of executives at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac made 
hundreds of millions of dollars. They lined their own pockets like there was no tomorrow. And when they took that thing down, we bailed them out to the tune of $119 billion for Fannie and $71 billion for Freddie. And a lot of that money went directly to those executives. So what happened? Well, Obama came in, the federal government took them over. Said no more, no more, you know, $100 million paychecks or million dollar paychecks to CEOs and executives and stockholders of Fannie and Freddie. It's now, these are now government run, more or less, entities. And we are going to stop the corruption. Well, Trump wants to start the corruption up again. He wants to privatize them. Turn them over to, to uh, you know, shareholders who will start saying, well, where's my piece of the action? I want my dividends. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, Judd Legum writing at his, this is just, you know, I get this five days a week, and I encourage you to sign up for this. It's uh, popular.info. Just go to popular.info, and, uh, you know, you can, you can sign up. There's no charge. I don't think there's even advertising in it. I, if there is, it's pretty inconspicuous. Um, but this is Judd's daily contribution to the news, and the one that came out, uh, uh, this was uh, September 4th, was about criminalizing voter registration. Uh, the Republicans in Tennessee are pretty flipped out. And the reason that they're flipped out is because the Tennessee Black Voter Project, back in uh, 2018, last year, the Tennessee Black Voter Project did a, launched a statewide voter registration drive. Now, keep in mind, 40% of people in Tennessee who are eligible voters are not registered to vote. Not even registered. We, we talk about half of registered voters show up to vote. 40% of people in Tennessee, it's 49th in the nation in turnout, 45th in voter registration. So the Tennessee Black Voter Project registered 91,000 people to vote in Tennessee, which increased the black turnout from 31% in 2014 to 44% in 2018 in Tennessee. So the Republicans who control Tennessee said, okay, screw that. And they passed a law that has really rigorous criminal penalties to make anybody who registers a voter, you have to go through a state-run training program, and you can't register voters until you do. And guess who gets to control the state-run voting program and how many people can come through it and when the, when the sessions are held? The Republicans who run the state. If you fail to do that and you sign somebody up, you go to prison. You have to, find, you have to sign all kinds of forms. You have to, I mean, it's just, it just they're, they're doing everything they can to stop any more black people from registering to vote in Tennessee. This is what Republicans do. The majority of Americans hate Republican policies. The majority of Americans don't want their Medicare privatized. They don't want their Social Security privatized. They don't want more tax cuts for billionaires and big corporations. They want jobs brought back home. They don't want any more of this neoliberal Reaganistic crap. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And they want to be able to vote. But Republicans can't win. Clean, fair, honest. So what do they do? They cheat. I've got an important message for all my listeners. 
Economists will tell you that rising gold prices are an indicator of a failing currency. Well, gold is already up over 10% just since January and up over 33% in the last three years. What is all this really telling us? Well, the last crash was just a warning. It's only been papered over with trillions of dollars in new debt, and statistically, the next crash is already overdue. This reality has pushed the demand for precious metals to price levels not seen in nearly six years. The time to buy gold is now, before the crash and before the next price increase. The big questions everyone asks are, who can I trust and what types of gold do I buy? Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold the proper gold and silver strategy will help secure all your major assets, including your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one own gold Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold This is the Tom Hartman Program. I love this headline in the Washington Post. You might want to check it out. Forget what you may have been told. New study says strangers step in to help more than 90% of the time. There are two stories in the news that I do want to talk about right now, and there's, I've got a few others that we'll get into as we continue through the show. Two stories that are kind of back-to-back, and I think that they, they tell us a lot about who we are as human beings and who Stephen Miller and Donald Trump are as human beings. So it's kind of a good news, bad news story. The good news is that the Kitty Genovese story, now you've got to be a certain age to remember that this happened in 1964. There was a 28-year-old young woman, her name was Kitty Genovese, and, and sometimes it's pronounced Genovese, who lived in New York, and she was, as I recall, stabbed to death out in front of the apartment building where she lived while 38 people looked on. And, or actually it was believed at the time that 38 people looked on. Now, you know, we found later that the actual number was a whole lot smaller than that. Nobody's sure exactly what the number is, but still nobody intervened. And so the story kind of became, well, you know, people just don't care about other people. So to test this, a researcher at Lancaster University, Richard Philpott, you know, basically cut a deal with three cities, Amsterdam in Holland, Cape Town in South Africa, and Lancaster in the United Kingdom in England, and got access to their security closed-circuit TV videos, you know, the, the ones that view public places that the police use to, you know, backtrack on crimes, you know, who is where, when, and all that kind of stuff, and looked at thousands of hours of closed-circuit television of actual assaults being happened. And they didn't stage any of this. These were actual cases where somebody's walking down the street and somebody jumps on them and starts wailing on them or trying to kill them or robbing them or whatever it may be, actual assaults. And they found 219 cases of these. And in 91% of the time, the bystander stepped in. Now, you know, we were having a conversation here in the studio about this a few minutes ago. Okay, these are, actually, this is the inner city in these three major cities. Is this something that is different between an urban environment and a rural environment? Well, that's one of the questions that the study doesn't answer. And in fact, the author of the study, Philpott, says this is going to be the next thing that we study, but we just don't have access to closed-circuit coverage in small towns and rural areas. So it's, it's not going to be as easy, number one. And number two, none of these were in American cities. And the Amsterdam, Holland, is a very socialist country. Cape Town has a long history of socialism. And, you know, the whole Mandela revolution was very socialist or, you know, in, using that term in the democratic socialist context. 
And the United Kingdom has a long history of socialism, and they have a national health care system, things like that. Here in the United States, we're more laissez-faire. We don't so much look out for each other, at least at the level of government. And, you know, we're at the level of government, more likely to say, you know, throw people to the wolves. So is it possible that what we're looking at is the baseline for humanity? That people jump in and help out other people 91% of the time simply because they're human beings? Or is it cultural? Does it have to do with where it happened? Will it be different in rural areas? Will it be different in areas? These three cities, the inner city of these three cities are probably fairly you know, racially and wealth-wise, economically mixed up, uh, heterogeneous rather than homogenous. And you know, would it be different in a more homogenous area? I don't know. I, I'm inclined to think that this is human nature, that 91% of the time people help out. And it would be interesting to look at other primates. But, you know, we certainly know that that happens with primates and with dogs. I mean, those studies have been done. So, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, your thoughts on that. But here's the other side of this. Donald Trump and Mike Pence and John Kelly and Stephen Miller got together and decided that it would be a good idea to torture children coming from south of the border in order to discourage parents from bringing their children to the United States. Now, if you think that's extreme, John Kelly actually owned up to this on television. He obviously didn't use the word torture, but the idea of taking children away from their parents and putting them in cages for extended periods of time was something that John Kelly, not only as Donald Trump's chief of staff, as the guy who's the president's right-hand man, not only signed off on, but went public with. I mean, you know, went on TV and said, yeah, this will have a discouraging effect. This is one of the reasons why we're doing this. And, you know, Trump saluted that and Pence saluted that. And this was, you know, obviously, uh, in fact, the stories that we hear from inside the White House, this was Stephen Miller's idea, or at least something that he was a strong advocate for. So now we're finding, I mean, the, I think they fall into that 9% of people who don't give a rat's ass and don't jump in and help and don't intervene. This is in Huffington Post. It's from the Associated Press. It's an AP story. The headline, Migrant Children Separated from Parents Show Signs of Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, PTSD. And just, you know, a few little clips from the article. Some of these children cried inconsolably. This is after they've been released. We're looking at the kids after they got out of federal custody, after ICE let them go, after they've been returned to their parents. Some cried inconsolably. Others believed their parents had abandoned them and were angry with their parents or were confused. This is a quote from this report. By the way, this is a report from the Inspector General's Office of the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. This isn't, you know, some do-gooder group that came in and said, hey, you know, let's find out what's going on. No, this is, this is the Trump administration itself. Quote, other children expressed feelings of fear or guilt and became concerned for their parents' welfare. This is based on interviews with about 100 mental health clinicians who had regular interactions with these children. Then they tell some of the stories. One little boy around seven or eight years old was separated from his father and didn't know why, according to the inspector general. He believed that his dad was killed and that he also would be killed. And then, quote, this is from the program director, told investigators, this child ultimately required emergency psychiatric care to address his mental health distress. 
They go on to note some of those separated children suffered physical symptoms because of their mental trauma. One physician said, quote, you get a lot of my chest hurts, even though everything is fine medically. Children describe symptoms, every heartbeat hurts, I can feel my heart. These, a clinician told investigators, are symptoms of emotional pain. They also found that the longer the children were in custody, the more their mental health deteriorated. Assistant Secretary Lynn Johnson of HHS, talking about the need to get more mental health professionals into work with these kids. She said, adverse media coverage and negative public perception have hampered efforts to expand that effort. Say in one case, a child was moved from a Florida facility to Texas to be reunited with her father. After the child made several trips to the detention center, she was returned to the Florida facility, quote, in shambles. That's like emotionally, psychologically in shambles without ever seeing her father. During these interviews that were conducted by the Inspector General's Office of HHS, there were almost 9,000 children in these shelters, nearly 85%, 13 to 17, 13%, 6 to 12 years old, and 2% of them infants to age 5. So this is just the raw, naked brutality of the Trump administration. I'm, you know, I don't know how to say it other than that. So the good news is human nature may not be as brutal and cruel as we think. The bad news is that Stephen Miller, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, and John Kelly are more brutal and unthinking and uncaring than we ever imagined. And as this is playing out in front of us, right now, they are still separating children from their parents and putting the kids in cages. It's mind-boggling. Oh, and they're also telling sick children in the United States who are here for care, get out, go die. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And, and that is, I mean, that just encapsulates the brutality of the Republican Party and Donald Trump. CBD oil is all over the place. People are using it in creams and lotions. It's, uh, <laughs> Louise and I had some beer the other day with CBD oil in it. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to take it as seriously as CBD oil, you need to check out New Leaf Naturals CBD oil. You know, CBD oil doesn't get you high. It's non-intoxicating. Um, it's made from hemp. Uh, but it is a cannabinoid, so you get the benefits of the cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. It has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Naturals, the highest quality CBD oil on the market. 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA. The only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's newleafnaturals.com. Save 30% off and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to newleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Colleen in Long Island, New York. Hey, Colleen, what's up? Yes, hi, Tom. I very rarely disagree with you on anything. But when you brought up the Kitty Genovese story, I really had to call. I grew up in Queens. And I have to say that what happened with her story was that New York really took a black eye because the whole world thought we were just a heartless bunch of people. And the fact is that... The story was not reported properly because the police gave the story to the press the way they wanted it reported. And there were... So they wanted to blame the civilians rather than the lack of a police response? Well, they wanted to to stir up trouble 
in the sense that they wanted to be able to have a greater police presence mm-hmm. and not have to explain it. But the reality was that where this woman lived, and she was gay, and her next-door neighbor was a man who was gay, and people heard her screaming. But where you lived in that part of Queens was, I want to say, Brick Canyons, apartment building. So when you, even when you looked out your window, you couldn't see because you might not have a clear view. And what happened was this man followed her for about two blocks. So each time somebody heard her screaming, they called the police department. And each time the police were called, there was very little information to go on. And so then she would go down another half a block, and this guy would stab her again. And then it went like this for a while. And she finally got into the lobby of her apartment building, and that's when her neighbor saw her. And he tried to come to her rescue, but he knew his life was at risk. So he left her, you know, Mm. to what was happening. But the outcome of this was the 911 response system, because at the time, you had to call your local precinct. Uh, And you had to look the number up. You had to look the number So the Kitty Kitty Genovese story is what led to 9-11? That's amazing. 9-1-1? Absolutely. I didn't know that. Well, thank you for informing me, Colleen. A quick question. Do you think that 91% of people responding is cultural or human nature? I think it's both. And I will tell you that after her story, there were a lot of fraudulent claims of people coming to New York and having their cars broken into. And the community would come in and, you know, donate. And every story was debunked as fraud. Oh, geez. So, which yeah. is which is so, almost as bad as ignoring a stranger in, in, in crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Colleen, thank you for the call. That's uh, thank you for the very informative call. I love it when I learn things and I'm, I'm taking you at face value. But, I, you know, you sound credible. Colleen, thank you so much. So let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsfortheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, a new book by uh, Ellen Ratner. On the line with us is Bob Ney, former congressman from Ohio, author of Sideswiped. Hey, Bob, what's going on in the world? Well, thank you, Tom. Yes, please don't touch my Medicare. I just got it, so I don't oh, want to keep it. Congratulations. Yes. I've been yes, on sir, Medicare for a couple you. years now, and it's spectacular. It's wonderful. Just wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Speaking of not so wonderful, the Air Force is ordering a review of the overnight stays at all the Trump properties. And um, they're starting with Scotland, but uh, from what I'm told from some inside people, it's going to go uh, to other properties. Because in their story, they just say that they're looking how the crews had stayed at President Trump's Scotland Resort while refueling. And this was a statement they made Sunday night. And, of course, uh, the Trump administration's gaining a lot of attention in the U.S. House in uh, Chairman Nadler's you know, committee right. for uh, other uh, various problems they've had because he has you know, his relatives, his children, his son-in-law in the White House doing double duty with, uh, of course, the business. Right. So th- what started this, Tom, there was a C-17 crew on a military transport, and they stayed overnight at uh, Turnberry Resort. And that was near uh, the airport in Scotland. So we're going to see how it develops. Um, Actually, probably this story will also spur uh, other branches of the service to actually take a look, too. So, you know, know, uh, I've been on the air for the last 
for the last hour, uh, a little more than an hour and a half. And so I do have a TV on in the in the studio here just so I can check the chirons and, you know, <laughs> make sure Trump didn't declare war on somebody. Um, yeah. And I saw one a minute ago uh, out of the corner of my eye that said that uh, Trump had tweeted that he didn't know anything about this thing uh, and that he had nothing to do with it um, or words to that effect. I, I wasn't I didn't have time to read the whole thing and I don't know what they were saying about it on TV because the sound is off. Uh, do you know about that? You mean about the travel? Yeah, uh, his his tweeting that uh, he didn't direct the Air Force to stop at that obscure little airport and refuel to keep the airport in business. Uh, by coincidence, the airport that serves his Trump uh, uh, golf resort at Tunbury and that the crew stayed overnight at Tunbury and they couldn't even afford to eat there because their per diems uh, were, were lower sure. than the cost of a meal at Trump's resorts. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, he might say he didn't order them to do it, but somebody thought it was a good idea, and there are per diems. I, like many members of Congress, Tom, who traveled for 11 years, our military people put together our travel arrangements, right? right. And they make sure that it meets the per diem. We never, ever in 11 years stayed anywhere where it didn't meet the per diem to cover the cost. Yeah, well, that apparently so, happened to these guys. Know. So the question is, who made this decision? Was it the Secretary of right. the Air Force, who's a, uh, who is a Trump political appointee? Was it some, some guy in the Air Force who, in the supply chain? Um, there's a word for that in the military. I forget what it's called, but... Um, uh, you know, in any case, is it, is it one of these supply guys who thought, hey, you know, maybe he's a maggot guy? Um, uh, or do we just we just have no idea right at this point? Well, we don't know at this point. But the one interesting thing about this story, I thought this morning when I was looking at it, is the fact that uh, it was initiated by the by the Air Force. So right. it's the U.S. Air Force itself is reviewing it. So I imagine the story got out and somebody within the Air Force had to initiate this review. Now, if it's reviewed by the uh, Air Force quote itself, that's not going to be worth anything. If the inspector general comes in, that will be a different ballgame. So we, we have to see the inspector story general of the Air Force. If, if they would come into it, that would be different. This story doesn't say the inspector general. It just says the U.S. Air so Force. So this is could be rather than rather the inspector general is basically the internal police department. It's like, you know, the, the right. guys in in police departments who, who investigate bad cops. Um, right. So if the IG's office in the Air Force investigates this whole thing, then they have actual prosecutorial uh, prosecutorial abilities, but if instead it's maybe the guy who decided to do it, investigating himself, right. you know? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So if it's just a review by the Air Force, that's not going to mean much. I would assume after this gets done that somewhere along the line, the, the House committee will probably request then of the Inspector General. Oh, I think Nadler has already pretty much uh, said he's, he's on this thing. Yeah. Okay. What else this is that, Bob? Well, this is a this story. I could have predicted this one to you. I could have written this myself, actually, yesterday. All right. Um, in a statement uh, to the press today, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu revealed what he claimed was a covert nuclear weapons development site near the city of Abadeh, Iran. And it was demolished in July after the Iranians realized it was compromised. So he's making this statement. Now, this is the day when the International Energy Agency, Atomic Energy Agency, IAE, 
NBA Board of Governors convene in Vienna, and they're going to discuss the Iranian nuclear program and Iran's attempts to block access and any information, etc., because they do this. So this statement by Netanyahu also comes eight days before the Israeli elections. Surprise! Surprise! Him, yeah, oh, yeah. This is pretty, yeah, pretty close. Of just, just an irony, Tom. Yeah. Nothing planned. Just an irony. Eight days before, before the election. Now, here's what's interesting. At the end of this story, former Prime Minister Ehud Barak called Netanyahu's statement, "quote an election spin." So he he, he actually confirmed. Yeah, that's so, a big deal. So the former Prime, Prime Minister, Minister is calling out the current Prime Minister, who is under indictment right. and running for re-election. Yes, yes. Incredible stuff. You, you know, you, you couldn't write this can't as make fiction. It up. Yeah, you can't make it up. Bob Nay with Talk Media News. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Good talking with you. Kathy in Marlboro, New Jersey. Hey, Kathy, what's on your mind today? We need to protest like the, the people are doing in Hong Kong. You're talking about I the mean, corruption in the Trump are- administration? The corruption in the, in the Trump administration. I mean, Hong Kong is doing this against China, a communist country. Right. And here we are. We can't get out for any of these things that Trump is doing. We got out when he first became president. I mean, um, I was even out there in Washington, D.C. with all these women and everything else. But now it seems like nobody wants to get out there and protest. I understand Pelosi she wants to get the information, get as much information out on them as, as possible. But there has to be a time where we have to say enough is enough. Yeah. We need to do more. We need to get more information out to the, um, the American people. And this, the, 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 the mainstream media talks nothing about half of the stuff that you're talking about. Oh, I know. I know. I and, and, and I try it, to listen to you. I'm sorry. I I, I listen to you every day. I've been on the line waiting 40 minutes to talk to you my first time. But I I just don't understand why. You know, I'm I you know, I'm a Democrat. I went to a progressive Democratic um, online site. I get more information from them than I get from mainstream or people that are, you know, like in the middle. Right. I don't know what's going on, Tom, and it's making me very, very upset. Yeah. I'm still going to be out there fighting. God bless I you, Kathy. Care. God I, bless you. I'm going uh, to get out way, there and fight. September 20th, this is being driven by literally kids in school, kids in elementary schools, junior high schools or middle schools, high schools. They are, and this is, you know, coming out of Greta Thunberg and the whole school strike thing, you know, strike every Friday for climate and whatnot. There is going to be a worldwide, essentially, walkout on Friday from schools and marches all over the country. And adults are starting to figure out that this is going on on September 20th. And, and, and you know, here in the United States, many of these protests are, are also going to be taking the form of protesting the Trump administration's, you know, fossil fuel policies and promotion of fossil fuels and coal and all these other, you know, corrupt practices right, that Trump right. is engaged in. So it's a start, Kathy. But I, I, I'm with you. I'm shocked by how how rarely people show up. There was a, a report that ju- that I literally just saw five minutes ago that Trump was at his golf course this morning, and when he left. 
as he drove out the entrance to the golf course, the press was there, and there were four protesters holding signs that said, resign now and, and Trump in jail. And somebody was floating a baby Trump, you know, a Trump in diapers uh, balloon. Um, so, so, you know, some folks are out there, Kathy, and, and the rest of us have got to get out there, but I'm with you. Kathy, thanks so much for the call. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate the call, and thank you for listening and to I us on Sirius call you back again. Things. Okay, I thank, look forward to it. Thank you for all you're doing. You're Love welcome. You. Thanks a lot, Kathy. Have a good one. Uh, Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, not too much, Tom. I just want to agree with you um, wholeheartedly about, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the necessity for that, and also, you know, the damage um, that Trump's doing, uh, you know, to the, the world's um, oldest democracy, the most, you know, the last remaining superpower. Yes. It's really irreparable if we don't act. And I'm not trying to gaslight anyone. Maybe I'm just gaslighting myself, okay? But... As a 25-year intelligence analyst, all right, I am really worried about the precedent this is setting. And there are so many examples, but, you know, basically without a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to undo the damage uh, uh, Trump has done, we are going to have to use uh, Trumpian um, mechanisms. We're going to have to use Trumpian tactics to undo it. Yeah. And yeah, I think no. Bernie's the only one trustworthy enough I, to do I, I'm that. I'm with you. Either prosecution or truth and reconciliation if you don't want prosecution. But we need to we need to expose and cut out the cancer here. It's destroying our republic and, frankly, the world. Dave, thank you, and, and thanks for your analysis. I appreciate it. Lamar in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Lamar, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Hey, um, since I'm not a commentator on MSNBC, they are talking about if the Trump party is going to be a dynasty and they were saying and somebody was saying well this has always been the republican party this isn't nothing right. new it's just trump right. the guy who actually say all this stuff that they really wanted to, to, to hear and they had the so-called good republicans up there why is you a republican you know the black republicans or the so-called good republicans and they use the excuse of well, we like, you know, the military and we want to spend conservatively. But as you see, all oh, that's out the door. They were just excuses because yeah. he robbing from the military and they spending like crazy. And the Republican Party's always been, you know, intolerant to races and all that stuff. And they in favor of that over those excuses that the so-called good Republicans was using to to justify being a Republican. Yeah, the whole thing about good Republicans is just like the thing about good cops in police departments where there are bad cops and the good cops don't out them. You know, I mean, this is this it's this it's the same kind of problem. It's tolerance of corruption. And the Republican Party is yeah. tolerating corruption. Many people in the Republican Party are enabling corruption, but the rest of them are just sitting back, sitting on their hands, keeping their mouths shut. The three monkeys, you know, see no evils, hear no evil, speak no evil. And it's just this is like this has got to be exposed and dealt with. I mean, we've got to figure out as a country how we're going to deal with this level of corruption. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, Jim Mattis is on the, the rounds for his book tour, and yeah. it's like he's using this code as far as like, oh, we can't. I yeah, can't well, he's doing the same thing, you know. Like see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I mean, uh, you know, about Trump because he's he's afraid of Trump. Here you got a general who's afraid of Donald Trump. That's a real sad commentary on the state of affairs. Lamar, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you, and thank you all for being with us today. It's been a fascinating day. We've got another one lined up for you tomorrow. 
And uh, so, you know, same bat time, same bat cave. But in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy only works when you are registered to vote, your friends are registered to vote, and you're informed. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. And check out the September 20 climate march, too. We'll see you You've tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 